Hello, and listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And right now, I got to tell you, I just found out that Kirk Cameron, that famous guy from Fireproof, Childhood Stories, yep, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable, and you know all the different movies, Monumental. I sent copies of everyone to that for Christmas. Yeah. He's got a sister, Candace. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's on Dancing with the Stars. Wow. I mean, I knew who she was, and I didn't realize who she was. It's his sister. She was DJ Tanner, right, on the TV show way back when. Yeah. Anyway, she's on Dancing with the Stars. And we've been talking about what it is for real men, real women, and here's a young woman. And I, I really want to ask, do we have guidelines here? Because she said some pretty profound things. Uh, she's, pay, she's actually saying some things about how to be a real woman, or she's saying some things that are different than that? Well, the, the take-up here is in Fireproof, you know, a lot of people don't know that Kirk Cameron had his wife flown out to do mm-hmm. that last scene because he wouldn't be that intimate, hug or kiss mm-hmm. somebody who wasn't his wife. So she's saying some things that are good. Well, let's, let's pray about that, and let's, let's see where God takes us today. Lord, thank you so much that you are our who said so. We don't need to have a mindset of opinion. All we need to do is look at your word and that you are telling us exactly how to be a real man or a real woman in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And I hate to plug things, but Candace Cameron, she released a book called Balancing It All. Mm-hmm. And commensurate with that, you know, people were doing news articles in Christianity Today and a couple other magazines, periodicals. So people were actually looking into her and her life. Mm-hmm. And ironically, she's been on Dancing with the Stars. And she said what? That makes you think that she's somebody that we need to be uh, talking about. She said, you know what? We have to look at my apparel. Mm. I am submissive to my husband. Living my faith is important to me. And they were back and forth. Wait a minute. Going, you're on national TV. You know, you're doing these dances that are sensual in nature. So the costume, she said, you know what? I'm a married woman. So when you're figuring out how you want to dress me, treat me as if I was a minor. Wow. That is really, really good because that fits the very passage that we're talking about, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, especially when you get to the portion talking about younger women. There is one part in there talking about younger women that that particularly fits. It fits the idea of chaste or pure, whatever your translation is putting it out to be, chaste or pure, because if you look at the word there in Titus chapter 2, you're going to see that a younger woman is to be discreet, chaste, good, or if you want to use the word pure, it's a, it's a great word. And that word in the Greek means pure from carnality, modest, there you are, modest, pure from every fault, immaculate, and clean. That is very interesting that she has that type of an attitude. That's awesome. I love to hear that. It it just really struck me that a married woman, Mm -hmm. clearly a Hollywood professional, if you will, a woman of faith. But she said, if you're not sure how to treat me, treat me as if I were a minor. Yeah. That's a huge statement. It's not only a huge statement, but it's also, like I said, fits very directly into our who said so's statement, which is that a younger woman is to be taught how to be pure, to be chaste. And if you think about it, pure describes the bride of Christ. If you want to think about it, you have here that the bride of Christ is to be without spot or blemish, and that's who we are to be. And she's modeling that with her type of uh, uh, attitude and her words that she's saying there. And she's to be pure 
And a husband can actually help a woman be pure or his wife be pure because he is to have a purifying love for her. Notice how all this all ties together. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, a husband is to be sanctifying and purifying his wife. Does that give me permission to be controlling? What do you mean? How could you be controlling in this type of a situation if she's just wanting to be pure? That sounds like a choice to me rather than a control. Okay, but my purifying love, right? Aren't I giving my wife a list of do's and don'ts? Well, if you're in a purifying love, like we talked about before, you're setting an environment that protects her, that doesn't put her into situations that would cause her to be stumbling or put her in a situation that would not be appropriate for her. You just said something that's real huge, and I just want to stop here for a second and expand. A purifying love does that. So the absence of a purifying love means that I'm literally setting my wife up for failure, setting us up for harm? It, it doesn't mean that you're setting it up, but you're making it easier because everybody's behavior, very important. Let's go back to this central tenet of great relationships. Everybody's behavior is dependent upon their own choice not dependent upon what other people are doing to them. This society that we live in, and maybe it's always been this way, I'm only particularly understanding of this society because I've only lived once and I will only live once, but in this society, we tend to have an attitude to try to blame everything else for our behavior. God's Word never does that. It's always saying, Herman, you're responsible for your choices. It doesn't matter whether Louie is caring about your choices, whether she's doing what's right or not. And Louie, you're responsible for your choices. It doesn't matter whether Herman's doing what he's supposed to do or not. Back to what a younger woman is to be. Yeah, this, this idea, I love what Candace is talking about there because that is a great example for a woman to be following. She's in an ideal place to be doing exactly what Titus 2 is saying because she would fit at least in the mature model, meaning a older woman from the maturity aspect, being able to teach a younger woman. This is what our God wants. Our God wants a woman to be pure. He not only wants her to be pure, but he also wants her to be discreet and sensible, if you want to think of it from that viewpoint curbing one's desires. If you, if you look at the words that are used there for uh, discreet or even the concept of sensible, the, the Greek in there is curbing one's desires, impulses, sensible in one senses, sound mind. So God is also not only saying to these young women, I want you pure, I want you to be curbing your desires, which is the very concept of what we've talked about before. So self-controlled, self-governance, right? But those are fruits of the Spirit. So let me go to this real quick. You're saying learning to do these things. Clearly, Candace is not under a rock. She is on national TV. She is an attractive woman. She doesn't sound like an idiot. So I, many times I hear you talk about learn, apply, and serve. Mm -hmm. So clearly when she's dancing, if you'll forgive me, she has taken these things that she's learned, she's applied, and she is now living her testimony. She's serving. Yeah. In fact, if you take it back, she's, she is being, she's exemplifying sound doctrine. 
That's what's so cool about this. She's <laughs> That's at the very time. Yeah, she's exemplifying sound doctrine. She's out there acting in a way that is dependent upon the foundation of our who said so, who is the Lord God himself. And he is working through her to be an example to the rest of the world. Here's what a pure Christian woman looks like. Are you sure? Because she's gotten an awful lot of negative press, and I'm wondering, is there some Christian rubbernecking going on? We're all tuning in to see if she's going to fall, like waiting for the accident. I wouldn't be surprised at all that some people would be doing that, especially the people that don't like Christianity. They're going to be hoping for her fall. There's no doubt about that. But I would hope that we as as fellow believers would be praying for her to be upholding her in her mindset rather than wishing that she would fall because that is an awful <laughs> that's an awful thing for us to be doing if we're if we're having that type of an attitude what I what I again what I love is everything that she is talking about in that little minute area who knows what she believes in the other areas but in that one little area it fits very very nicely into what God is asking of a young woman this idea of being discreet sensible pure to be able to be thinking about it from that attitude it's a very different issue great relationships pursuing the best in work in life in love it takes right thinking for right relationships right now we'll be back right after this great quotes from god's word for great relationships be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12:10. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Jackhammer, saws, pliers. Is your toolbox complete? Add some critical thinking tools to your kit as you listen to Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. When Ben Franklin, then in his 80s, called the Constitutional Convention to pray, he brought agreement among the delegates. But many historians claim Franklin and the Founding Fathers were deists. A deist believes God wound up the universe like a clock, then set it on the shelf to run its time out, and walked away. For a deist, prayer would be nonsense. And if the majority of delegates were also deists, why didn't they scoff at Franklin's request? Were they hypocrites just seeking public approval? No, our Founding Fathers understood the need to seek the favor of the living God. The true founder of this nation. Oh, that all elected officials understood what that old deist knew. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, call 1-800-2411-123. Hello and welcome to this edition of Real Housewives. (laughs) Now you're listening to Great Relationships. Herman, before the break, I'd ask you a question because we've been talking about Candace Cameron. Mm -hmm. A lot of people may remember her as the big sister, uh, DJ Tanner on Full House. Mm -hmm. She's also the sister of Kirk Cameron, and she had recently released a book called Balancing It All. And she's taken a lot of press for it, and now she's on Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. And and she made the most amazing comment, you know, because they were talking about the costumes and the dances. They'll be doing some real sensual stuff. Right. And she said, I'm a married woman. You need to treat me as if I was a minor. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And we said that fell right in line. And I said, well, wait a minute, she's living her testimony out in the public view. And are we Christian rubberneckers waiting to see her fall? Well, as as I said before, I hope not. That is not an attitude that we would ever want to have as Christians. God doesn't sit up there looking at us going, well, I just hope they fall because they're just not paying attention to my word. That, that, isn't, that isn't his attitude. He's always pursuing our best. And that's what we need to be doing with each other, pursuing each other's best. It's not hoping that they fail so that we can look good because we didn't. That's a strange way way to act in life. But what about all this negative press from the world? I mean, the Huffington Post just slammed her. So what? So what? I mean, this is one of those situations that we spend so much time worried about what the world is saying instead of just living what our who said so says for us to do. You know, we don't have to pay attention to fools. You're wasting your time when you pay attention to somebody that's slamming a Christian. That's their problem. I'm not going to pay attention to that type of stuff. The issue is I'm going to pay attention to what my who said so says. Yes, the world is going to hate a woman that talks about this. They're going to hate a woman that's talking about how she wants to be pure. They're, the world is going to hate a woman that's wanting to be discreet, to be sensible, to be pure, to be good. Okay, that's, but those for are example, key words. one of the quotes was that Candace had set women back a thousand years. Why is the world so vehement in attacking women who choose to be submissive? Well, it unfortunately uh, leads right back to the judgment. Let's make this even worse. Here's some quotes from uh, Gloria Steinem. Listen to this one sentence quote. Housewives are dependent creatures who still who are still children. They're parasites. Wow. That is an amazing thought. This shows you where so much of the world is coming from, that they're willing to look at something that God is saying is a good thing and just absolutely try to cut it to shreds. Here's another one, uh, Simone de Beauvier. I think that's how you would say her name. No woman should be authorized to stay at home and raise her children. Wow. Women should not have that choice precisely because if there is such a choice, too many women will make that one. (laughs) (laughs) And then Betty Friedan has some even worse comments that we can uh, read at a later date. It it doesn't surprise me a bit. Here's the reason why it doesn't surprise me. Do you remember what verse 5 in Titus chapter 2 talks about? It says that these actions, these behaviors from women in particular are not going to be maligning the word of of God. Now, what does that imply? That implies that if a woman operates according to her design, the way God has wired her, the way God wants her to be acting, which fits into these statements about being discreet, chaste, pure, homemakers, lovers of their husbands, lovers of their children, obedient to their uh, husband, the world is not going to like that because that is fitting in line not only with what God says is right, but also fits in line with how God designed a woman in the first place. The world is going to hate that. Satan does not want anything to do with what God is saying is right. Okay, and if I want some serious grounding in this, I can go to the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeratelationships.com, and you want me to go where? Go to chapter three, real men and real women. The first part of that is is 
the difference between men and women. Women and men are different. Really, really, really they are. And the issue for a man is to become a real man, and the issue for a woman is to become a real woman. And all of that is dealt with in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. That's how we're, we're looking at all this. So some additional things that we really want to pay attention to in that particular passage, Titus 2, 1 through 8, not only talked about purity, that a younger woman is to be pure, that an older woman is to be teaching her how to be pure, but also a woman is to be discreet, to be uh, sensible with her, uh, with her thinking. But here's a term that we don't pay a lot of attention to, the simple four-letter word, good. 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 Yeah. In fact, here's the, uh, a young woman is to be good. A real woman is to be good. Now, here is a, here's some additional details on the Greek word for good. Good constitution or nature, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy, excellent, distinguished, upright, honorable. And it's so interesting to see all those additional words associated with good, uh, suitable, agreeable, virtuous, kind, benevolent would be the words that we would have in our English dictionary related to good. So that means that not only is this young woman chaste, meaning pure in her spirit and her actions, she's paying attention to the things that actually would be honorable. She also has this attitude of being pleasant and agreeable, cheerful in spirit and temper, not sullen, not bitter, not troublesome, not argumentative, not worrying. You know, those are that's a lot of stuff that a person can be an amazing creature if you just do some of these two things, two, two words, be pure and to be good. So I'm looking at it here, Titus 2, verse 5. I mean, are those building blocks? Every one of them would be a building block. I wouldn't say it would have to go in that order. But yes, every, every one of them would be a building block to becoming a real woman if you're doing all these things. But it actually starts out in a little different place. It's talking about loving your husband and loving your children. So we'll get to that in a second because that's a really important issue that we want to pay attention to. But this idea of being good, that covers so much because as we know, it's pretty difficult to be good when you're having things go against you. <laughs> well, that's when character counts, right? Yeah. For instance, Candace, what if her husband is not helping around the house? What if her husband is not treating her well? It's kind of difficult if you're not trusting in the Holy Spirit to make you good, right? If you're trying to do this under your own power, it's going to be a lot more difficult to be good. You can be out there in the public talking about how great you are, but you know whether or not you're exhibiting a good attitude when you're at home and nobody else is seeing you. That's really critical for us to consider. When the kids aren't doing the things that you want, when things aren't going your way, are you willing to be good anyway? That's the concept of self-governance. That's the only chance The only chance that you have is that the Holy Spirit is working through you to allow you to live out this purity, to live out this discreetness, to live out this goodness. You're not going to be able to pull that off on your own. And guess what? 
what? That's what a young woman is called to do. That's an amazing, amazing three words, just if you focus just on those three words. Forget about the more more uh, controversial things like homemaker and obedient to your husband and, and uh, 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 those, those type of issues. Just focus on these three words. That's tough enough right there. So when we operate out of our values, trusting in the Holy Spirit, especially as a younger woman, you have a chance to be good, discreet, sensible, pure. You're not going to be able to pull that off on your own, though. No, and I guess in in looking at some of the write-ups I've seen on the book, Balancing It All, you know, Candace, and I like to keep kind of pointing back to her because she's 37, so I think that qualifies Mm -hmm. her as a young woman Mm -hmm. as opposed to a mature woman. Now, her husband's a professional hockey star, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to upset anybody. I am very allergic to pain, Mm -hmm. but it it's funny in this book, Balancing It All, she's not talking about balancing. She's talking about appropriateness. Mm, a word that I love, proportion, right? <laughs> there yeah. you go. And that means proportion from the viewpoint of if I am focused on the image of God, I need to understand the right proportion of power to use at any time and the right proportion of a relationship to use at any time. It's not that I stay in the middle and be balanced all the time. That's the, I, I love that term. That's a, that's a good term, proportion. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great quotes for great relationships. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Philippians 2, verse 3. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back listening to Great Relationships, the website greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com. And as Herman mentioned earlier, chapter three is where we need to go take a look at real men and real women. And we have this definition in Titus 2 of what real women are, both the more mature and the younger woman. Mm -hmm. And if a man steps forward and says, wait a minute, I'm living my life according to this definition in Titus 2, 
there might be a couple of guffaws in the crowd, but okay, fair enough. But if a woman steps up and says, this is how I'm living, especially a younger woman, Mm -hmm. an attractive woman, a successful woman, the world comes out bearing fangs. Well, it comes out bearing fangs, yes. And I do believe you're probably right there that it's going to be disproportionate toward women because of the influence of the feminist movement. That's how they think that they're raising up women to make women powerful. There's been so much that's been shown that it's not working. Uh, that the whole movement is really not working. It's actually having a counter impact on so many women that they're going, this isn't helping me. At the same time, it doesn't mean that it's backing off. It doesn't mean that uh, there is not a push for the same type of things. What they're recognizing is that it's actually hurting them in many, many regards. But if a woman steps up to the plate and decides to do life the way God wants it done, most every bit of the negativism that is shown toward women revolves around what we call the S word in chapter nine, the uh, S word meaning submission. And that's where this particular passage is going to lead us. Uh, At some point, we're going to be needing to talk about obedient to the husband and homemakers. Those are the two key words that are part of being submissive. And most people do not have a clue as to what submission is. Well, maybe in our next program, we can really unpack that. We can certainly do that. And we've talked about it in the past. Just want to remind us uh, about this. But I do believe that the biggest problem is people think that submission is a dirty word. It is a protective word. It is a word that is glorious. It's a word that we men need to understand. If we don't understand submission, we are not relating to our Lord in the right way. So what's the problem there? Because the world keeps saying, who are you? And I need to be remembering whose I am, not Absolutely. Who am. And that's the reason why so many people in the world think it's horrible to be doing what God says is right. That means I'm no longer the person in charge. I'm putting myself under somebody. If I have a who said so, I am submitting to that who said so. I'm doing something that the who said so is saying. Okay, do I do this, one, because the media is in my ear, or I've often heard you say we have to be in God's word daily. You have also said that we are equal in value, different in design. How quickly do I forget that? I love you bringing that up. That is great. Because submission tends to be thought of as a value argument. If I'm submissive, that means I am not as valuable as the one that I'm submitting to. That is absolute foolishness. But we believe it. Yes, we do, because we miss a key teaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 gives us the idea and the key order for life. And what is that order for life? God the Father, God the Son, man, woman. Does that mean that God the Son somehow is not equal to God the Father? No, it means they have different roles, though. It means they are equal in value, different in role. The same is true of the, the following two items, men and women. It is a role that God has asked us to take on. It doesn't have anything to do with value, has nothing to do with equality in the concept of value. We are equal in value. We just have different roles. And when you start talking about submission, people think it is a value argument. It's not a value argument. It's a role situation. It is a an attitude of thinking about how life will make the best 
sense when we follow a certain order. That's how it makes the most sense for us to do life. And if I could just get your definition of love into my brain, I wouldn't have to go through this engineering problem. Boy, thank you again. Great statement. I don't sit around thinking about value, whether I'm... And here's the key problem. I was thinking about this as I was mowing the yard this last last weekend. I was thinking, you know, if we just keep in our mind that comparison is always an ugly thing, when I'm comparing myself to somebody else, it prevents me to think about the definition of love, pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. If I'm thinking comparison, I don't want to think about what's best for them. I'm not getting something that I think I deserve. Comparison drives us in the wrong direction every time. And that's the reason why value is such a key problem for us. It drives us into that comparison argument. That's what happens to us every time. So then what's my quick way back? If I remember that we are equal in value, different in design, but I catch myself making comparisons, how do I get back to the road? The issue is just that. I need to get my thinking straight. Who is my who said so? What is my who said so asking me to do? So the one key thing that I would like us to take away, we'll, 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 just, we'll just run with this little last little statement here. Equal in value, different in design and role. What Candace is saying is I am going to recognize my role and I'm not going to worry about whether people think I am not as valuable. That's, that's irrelevant to me. I'm equal in value, different in design and role. There you go. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.